This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Missanelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Football Talk Without the Eagles. Yes, I'm the Mike Missanelli Podcast. Uh, our producer, Darren, will be along with us in a little bit. Of course, we're brought to you by Bet Rivers. It's the first weekend we've had a chance to talk about actual football. It didn't include the Philadelphia Eagles. We will, however, talk about the Eagles shortly because their coordinators are all set up. And uh, the funny thing about Eagle fans, I think that most of them are okay with the selections of the coordinators offensively and defensively and we'll get into both of them because I got to be honest with you uh I I don't know if it's a good uh hire or not both hires uh I always look at you know coordinators are valuable they come with really good ideas but you know the bottom line is you need to have personnel to run the system and the better personnel you have the better the system looks because I look at a team like the Kansas City Chiefs and listen I love Steve Spagnuolo he's a friend of mine and he's got a really good reputation. He's done wonders with, with various defenses in the league, three Super Bowls for crying out loud. But look at that Kansas City Chiefs. What's the strength of their team? They can cover. Man, they got guys that can cover, right? It makes the system look really good. But right now I'm getting off the point. We'll talk about the Eagles in a second. Let's talk about the games themselves. The Super Bowl is set. And for my money, it was the best matchup you could have had. Well, I, you know, I originally thought it would be the Ravens. And the 49ers would be the best matchup. But the TNC Chiefs proved that they're the better team. What they've done in the NFL is mind-boggling to me. In this day and age where teams can fall off the cliff, for them to be a consistent juggernaut like that, and i got to give Andy Reid credit, um, he, he has cultivated something in Kansas City that's really special. Now, when you look at it, it's always in conjunction head coach and quarterback. You look at all the years that Belichick had success. It was Belichick Brady. So you have to have that quarterback to have that kind of success. But he is a really good play caller and always comes up with something where you look at the Chiefs, you go, oh, you know, they've, they've kind of hit the end of the road. Like this year, you looked at them, man, they looked a little weak. They don't really have any receivers. They don't have this, that. And, and the guy wins. He's in another Super Bowl. It's phenomenal what the Chiefs are doing. So, um, I believe that uh, – I see, here's the thing about me. I root for the best matchup. And as I was watching the 49ers in Detroit, I, I was actually pained by it. And I turned the game off for a while. When Detroit went ahead 24-7, to I go, well, it's over. The 49ers have flopped, and now we're going to have the Detroit Lions in the Super Bowl. And a lot of people at first like that kind of result. Now, I was reading Twitter, and I was going back and forth texting with my friends, and, and they said, oh, I really feel good for Detroit. 
Oh, and I go, well, why the hell would you feel good for Detroit? What, what does it matter in your life that Detroit Lions get to the Super Bowl? Well, I like the fact that they're underdogs and they haven't been there before. I go, okay. Now when you watch the Super Bowl, they play the Chiefs. Is that exciting to you to watch the, the Detroit Lions in the Super Bowl? And they go, well, <laughs> no, you're going to have two weeks of build up to a Super Bowl with the Detroit Lions in it. And there's no buzz to it. This is why I always root for the best teams to play. So I have an enjoyable product to watch. Uh, I'm not like uh, a lot of fans that look at the Super Bowl as just entertainment value. I actually like the game. I like the strategy involved with the two best teams playing each other. And and all due respect to Detroit, they had a great season. I don't think that they would have been one of the best teams in the league to play in the Super Bowl. So I was rooting for the 49ers. That puts me in conflict with a lot of Eagle fans. And we'll get to that in a second. You know, all the years I've spent sports talk radio, I tried to make the Philadelphia fan base more mature, more grown up. Good. Let's face it. I God I love y'all, but you got this like inferiority complex about you where you 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 fall into traps. Like you hate the 49ers because why? Well, because they whined. So does that make any sense at all? We'll get to that in a second. Let's let's talk about the games. Um, the 49ers had to survive two really tough playoff games. And um, either you look at it like they've got a little bit of fortune that's following them, or they're tough enough to grit out victories in very important spots, right? They shut out the Detroit Lions until that last touchdown, which really didn't mean anything, the entire second half. Now, that's a team... The coordinators get in there and go, okay, we got to adjust. They're doing this, so we do this. I love that. I love the fact that coaching staffs are savvy enough. I love the fact that players, when they're down like that, go, we're not out of it. And sure enough, they come flying back. And listen, they were aided by a couple of bonehead uh, decisions by, by the head coach and also a fumble, which killed them, and also a lucky play where uh, Brandon Ayuk, or as Aaron Andrews called him after the game, B.A., which is another faux pas of mine. Uh, so the Detroit Lions weren't ready for the big moment. They gave it up in the end, which kind of you know, gives a window into their soul. They're not ready. They weren't ready to get to a Super Bowl. That's the way they played in the second half. And, and so the peril for Detroit, an up-and-coming team, is, well, once you get to that level, it's really difficult to get back. And all that bravado from your head coach that rose you up to this level kind of crash down the second half, and then does that message get old? All right, let's look uh, uh, inside the game here. Let's recap both games. Let's first talk about the, the Ravens and the Chiefs. Um, this calls into question, and I hate to do this because this, this plays into the lowest common denominator of sports talk and also these, these panel TV shows, uh, but Lamar Jackson um, didn't come up big. I mean, let's face it. He's had an MVP season, but he looked a little out of sorts when the Ravens really needed him. And I'm watching this game and I'm going, dude, uh, the most foolproof thing you can do here is run. Like it, once you're in the pocket and something's not there, just take off. You're going to get gulps of yardage. That's the one thing that's, that Spagnola can't keep up with is the way you run the football. And I would have called running plays for him. I would have had a mindset like, I'm not going to risk throwing the ball here. I'm going to run it. 
and he made a faulty decision by trying to throw in the triple coverage. The receiver didn't help him by waving his hand. What are you waving your hand for? You're, you got three guys that are coming to – you're throwing your quarterback off when you do something like that, and that was the big mistake of the game. So let me bring Darren in here. Darren, what is Lamar Jackson really? He's a dynamic player. Um, look, it's it's a warranted criticism that in playoff games, he as a passer, as a passer, has been underwhelming at best. And you have to be a better passer in the playoffs. And look, they got away from not only running him, they didn't run the ball at all. I mean, they're a great running team. Gus Edwards should have had a lot more carries yesterday. Uh, but what Kansas City did was they bled that team out. At one point, time of possession was 26 to 10 in minutes. So that the pressure was even higher and, and heavier on Lamar Jackson's shoulders to make big plays with less opportunities. So, but, you know, he has done this before, and I hate to take away anything from him as a player, <clears throat> excuse me, but if you want to be an elite quarterback in the playoffs, you have to be a better passer. Yeah, listen, he was a good passer this uh, all, all this year. Um, now, when it came down to it, you know, they had a tight end was coming back from injury. They really only have one receiver. Zay Flowers is really the only receiver. I, and I have to laugh at the 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 – <laughs> the train robbery that Odell Beckham Jr. pulled on the NFL. I mean, he's finished. He wasn't even a factor in the game. I think he got one catch. And I'm thinking, boy, they could really balance the field. He's done. And, and he conned people into thinking he, he wasn't done, and they signed him to a big money contract. And, uh, and his dad day. ripped Jackson on social media. You see that? That's ridiculous. Yeah, well, you know, dads, dads and moms get involved in social media these days, which I don't understand. And I guess if you're a kid, you can't shut down your moms or your pops, right? But, but like, I'm thinking, okay, listen, dude, you, you're not running the football, which I, I have to, uh, you're right. They started running the football. Gus Edward had, they had really good success running the football. Um, you know, I, I always, uh, I, I follow Joe Banner on Twitter. Joe Banner is obsessed with passing the football. He just criticizes anybody who suggests running the football, but all games are different. And in a situation the Ravens were in, they had to strike that kind of a balance. And, and they just didn't. I, I mean, I don't know John Hall. J John Hallboard is a pretty good coach, right? I don't understand for the life of me. And he even came out, interviewed before the second half, saying that we need to run the ball more. And they really didn't run the ball more. Teams get behind and they get a little spooked. And I don't get that. There's plenty of time in a football game. If you have confidence in your defense, which the Ravens should have, then you've got time to orchestrate drives and get touchdowns by running the football, taking a little more time to strike. And so, yeah, too you know, many in, coaches in the abandon the, the game plan. What's that? They too many coaches abandon the game plan. Yeah, in it's, the playoff it's like game they too they, early. Uh, they panic, and uh, yeah. I, you know, listen, they're they're experts. They're in the heat of battle, and I can sit here on a sofa and and criticize because I don't have that pressure mounting on me. But it just seemed so fundamental. And if you weren't going to do that, and Lamar Jackson had to take a game in his own hands. My God, I mean, he, he's, he's unstoppable when he breaks out of there. Nobody could get him. That's the easy 20 yards every time he does that. And I don't think he really did that enough. So uh, uh, the Ravens uh, lose the game to the Chiefs. And uh, let's talk about Steve Spagnuolo and his defense. Uh, he's smart. 
he really disguises uh, well. He's got he's got players that go along with his plan. And what and what are the stats on him now? What what has he accomplished in this league? He's been to three. He's, Super a, Bowls, he's right? already won three Super Bowls. I think he's going to his fifth or sixth. Actually, sixth. Um. So you know, look as a defensive quarter, I think he's really underrated, Mike. I don't think people talk about him enough. They're certainly talking about Fig Fangio so much, and no one talks about Spagnuolo. Yeah, you're right. Nobody it's really ridiculous. talks about Spagnuolo. Let me first. Let me give you my, my first time I met Spagnuolo. And, and he's a descendant of Jim Johnson, by the way. But go ahead. Yes, I he is. So I was good at disguising uh, I was working in New York at the time. I was doing the radio up there, and the Giants won the Super Bowl. And so they had me reporting live from the Canyon of Heroes down by Wall Street for the Giants parade. I was the man on the street. So here comes Spags. I, I never knew that. In the back of a tailgate truck. And I go, I'm run over to the truck. I go, Spags, Spags. I'm Mike Rosselli. I'm from Philly. Oh, man, how you doing? He got off the thing. He was talking to me the whole bit. And we got to be friends when he came here because he was living in my neighborhood. So I've been to his house a couple of times. He's the sweetest man you could ever, like, he's a tremendous guy. And he's married to a woman from South Philly named Maria. It's hysterical. Yeah, he, and so that's why go. he was living here. <laughs> you know, he met his wife here. He was a bachelor until he met his wife here. I like a guy who marries a Maria. <laughs> yeah, but he's, <laughs> but he's smart. And, and uh, Andy Reid is lucky to have him, which, which leads us to, to Andy Reid. Uh, I, you know, listen. I've got mixed feelings about the guy and and I'm trying not to be clouded by the fact that he just wasn't uh, an engaging type of guy when he was here and he was kind of arrogant. I, you know, all the things that we don't like here uh, in a coach, he was that, and he was stubborn and we watched him deny the fact that he needed wide receivers and this and that. It finally got old for him here and he was gone, but uh, he's a bonafide hall of fame coach. And let me ask you this. Can he now be mentioned in the same stratosphere as Bill Belichick as an all-time NFL coach? Absolutely. Absolutely, Mike. I mean, he's done it with several different types of teams with different quarterbacks. I I think there's no question he's in that. uh, He's right there. I mean... (laughs) I honestly, I think he's a smarter head coach. I really do. I mean, just if you look at, I really hate to take anything away from Belichick. I think it's unfair, but uh, I mean, he really has done absolutely nothing without Brady. Nothing. I mean, yeah, he was, you know, he he had success as Parcells assistant, but in New York. Has Andy Reid done something without Mahomes? I mean, he went to a Super Bowl with Donovan McNabb. He won the yeah, four, three other NFC pretty... Championship games with Donovan McNabb. I don't Donovan know. Donovan McNabb was a pretty good player. He was. wasn't a schmo. I I understand that. Look, best, I, don't, he, I don't think Andy I Reid had the best quarterback in Eagles history with Donovan he, McNabb. He did, but he also drafted him. Um, look, okay. I don't think I can give the the crown to to Andy yet, but he's certainly deserving of being in the conversation. Here's the thing that rankles me about the whole Andy Reid thing. It allows Jeffrey Lurie and, to a large extent, Howie Roseman to sit back and say, mm-hmm. That wasn't yeah, Howie. That was Banner. A Banner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I discovered him. 
Well, Hollywood's kind of still was it what the organization wanted to learn. I but he, he long after he was hired. All right, so Joe Banner and and uh, Laurie can crow. See, we discovered him. In which case, I would also I would then counter. But you also discovered Chip Kelly, and you discovered uh, Ray Rhodes, and you discovered uh, Doug Peterson. So, and you discovered Nick Sirianni, by the way, who isn't quite at that level at least yet. Here's All another right, so point. Let's Hold on, game. Mike. Here's another point I want you to think about with with Andy versus Bill. I mean the the tr- the fruit of the of the tree, right? And I don't know if this speaks positive for Andy or negative, or positive for Bill or negative, but Bill's coaching tree has yielded ugats. Andy's coaching tree is extremely impressive, if not the most True. impressive. No. Yeah, that's that's one that's a part in his favor. There's no question about it. So uh, I've got to give it up. Andy Reid's going to be a Hall of Fame coach. I never thought I would see the day, but what he's done has been pretty miraculous. Uh, all right, let's go to the NFC game now. Listen, it's low hanging fruit to sit here and say uh, Dan Campbell made two bad decisions. Here's the thing that bothers me about what the people say about him. What it's amazing that football people who examine football on television will never criticize somebody. It's the people like us that have to foster the criticism, right? So, uh, well, Dan Campbell has been doing that all year, so you have to be true to yourself. Horseshit. You don't have to be true to yourself. Every game is different, and you have to play the strategy that's involved in the game. This is the NFC title game. So what you do going forward on fourth and three in a regular season game is not the same in the playoffs. The stakes are so much higher, it's ridiculous. So with 27 to 25, all right, first of all, he wanted to really stomp on them by scoring another touchdown early when Detroit was rolling. Okay, I, maybe I don't have a problem with that. It's early in the game, and you want to, you know, you want to blast them out of there to the point where they don't have enough time to get back in the game. You have a big enough lead. I get it. 27-24 in a very important part of the game when you have a field goal to tie the game is not worth it. But like going for it there, because you did it all year. Well, in that situation, you got to go. Well, wait a minute. I got to tie this game at least. I got to get points on this. Fourth and three is pretty risky. If I don't get it, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in the crapper. And basically, that's what happened because the 49ers scored a touchdown off of that. So if you, if you tie the sc- score, your team doesn't have as much angst. You're tied. When you're behind and you, and you don't go for that and, you, and it was a bad play and Goff gave it up, your, your team goes, uh-oh. And that's the thing you can't measure. And so the people, like I was watching uh, Tim Hasselbeck, Last night on with, with Scott Van Pelt. And he's going, I'll bet you that Dan Campbell can put his head on the pillow knowing he stuck to his own philosophy. Really? You think Detroit fans are going to put their head on the pillow? Dan Campbell can put his head on the pillow? Yeah, because he's still the coach of the Lions. The fans are devastated. They got that far. And this guy with his Mr. Macho, let's do uh, weight, weight workouts with my team, decides to be a tough guy. And try to get a first down on fourth and three instead of tying the game. Does that make any sense to you? No, I don't think Campbell's going to sleep for a week, to be honest with you. Mike, how often, How especially particularly this season with Sirianni, how often have you and I talked about situational football? 
You're late in the third quarter. A field goal makes it a three-score game. For all intents and purposes, the game is over. You're in the fourth quarter now. you got another chance for a reprieve. You kick a field goal, you're up two scores at that point. Makes the game much more winnable. I'm sorry. I know there are a lot of fluky plays. The ball bounces off the defender's head into Ayuk's hands. There are a lot of little things like that. But come on. You can't be aware of the situation. It drives me nuts. <laughs> it, it reminds me, if I yeah, we go back and fill up a, a, a nightmare, sports nightmare memories, when Fergosi brings in Mitch Williams against the, the, the uh, Toronto Blue Jays. And you go, well. He's done it all year, so why would – because the situation is different now. He's got a noodle arm. So, you know, it's not, it's not the same. I mean, people go, well, the analytics say you can convert to four to three. Well, at this point in the game, screw your, athletic, your analytics. It's better to tie the game and get your team going, all right, we're tied with this team. You know what I mean? And, 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 and I, I hate know, analytics people, in football. I, this, this, I've done it this way all year thing. Yeah. kills me. It really does. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever when you talk about the stakes of a particular game. Going forward on third, fourth and three in a regular season is different than doing it when your season is at stake. And now they're done. I don't think analytics. I hate I think analytics is more of an, an additional obstacle for a head coach in football than it is for anything good. I can't stand football uh, analytics. Yeah, maybe it wasn't an analytical move. Maybe it was his machismo. Either way, it stinks. Like, like this guy's machismo. I, 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 I don't like coaches like that. I really don't. I don't like meathead coaches. And when he first came on the scene, I go, this thing's going to blow up. So I'll give him credit. Yeah. Whatever he's done with that tough guy persona has built the Lions into a pretty good team. I don't know how long it's going to last. But in that particular situation, flexing your muscles, is not appropriate. And it's funny. They had a, not that the kicker matters, but Michael Badgley <laughs> is on the sidelines and the camera shoots to him. And he says twice now. <laughs> is that what he said? I didn't see that. Yeah. That's he great. said, please say you can read it. He went twice now. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I All like right. stoic coaches. I don't like guys who are, you know, meathead cheerleaders. <laughs> All right. Let's get to, to some of the, the fragments of this game uh, outside the game itself. So the top one, let's talk about Taylor Swift. Okay. It is perplexing to me why so many people are bothered by camera shots to Taylor Swift. I, I, I just don't understand it. I, here's the way I put it. I, I'm running a T. I am the producer of a television show, a television show that is entertaining. I've got the world's biggest star in the press box who is the girlfriend of a high-profile player on the team. If I'm the director, why wouldn't I shoot to that shot? It's interesting to most people that she's at the game and she's engaged. I know it sickens a lot of people who are pro, they're football-oriented. We don't need to see her. I don't get what bothers you about it. And I was saying it on Twitter last night, and people were coming back at me, enough, enough, they, they what, show more of the football game. Like, they showed her for what, 10 seconds? Three shots of it. It lasted like 10 seconds of an entire broadcast. It's Taylor Swift. I, listen, I don't know anything about Taylor Swift. 
I don't know one song that she's done, except that she collaborated with one of my favorite independent groups, The National. That's all I know about her. I don't know about her hits. I don't listen to pop music. But I'm smart enough to know that for whatever reason, she's the biggest star in the world right now. Wherever she goes, there's there's a groundswell of, of, of populists. It's like a crazy big deal. How do I ignore that if she's at a football game? Darren, your thoughts? Particularly, particularly when her boyfriend is having a record-setting afternoon. Now, look, that shot, those are called, in the biz, those are called cutaways. A cutaway is a nothing shot. So I never thought I would see the day when fans would be, uh, you know, up in arms about a cutaway. Who cares if you're looking at her or some other fan? It doesn't really matter if you don't care who she is. So what... I, People look for things to bother them. It's unbelievable. Now, what I find out, which I didn't know, and people were explaining to me, it's a MAGA thing. I don't know what the, what the connection is. Apparently, Taylor Swift is a liberal, so the MAGA faction oh, is God upset. Says. This also cuts across racial lines. Because I was engaging with the people sake. on Twitter last night that, that say black people are rankled because... They don't feel they feel Taylor Swift because she's white gets more acclaim than the real biggest star in the world, which is Beyonce. And I go, okay, suppose Beyonce was at the game and she was dating Patrick Mahomes. Would they not cut the Beyonce? Like it doesn't make any sense. All right. Like I said, people are looking now, for Now, is it sickening? Of course it is. She's acting like some 17-year-old schoolgirl <laughs> girl who, whose boyfriend gave her the, his letter jacket. I get it. It's, it's kind of nauseating <laughs> on that level. And it's more nauseating when she yeah. goes on the field, and, of course, they got the camera on her, and she's going, oh, my God, I've never seen you do anything like that. I love you. She says, I love, she says, I love you, right? <laughs> and this is, the, this is the thing about women that I'll make a uh, generalization. Women will commit to the I love you before men. Did you see Travis Kelsey say I love you back? <laughs> no, he did not. Because, hey, no, thanks, because babe. men are more <laughs> reluctant com- to commit to the three big words than women. She's known Travis Kelsey for a half an hour. I love you. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> I hear uh, you. Uh, let's go to the Eagles now, folks. They select Vic Fangio, 65-year-old defensive coordinator with a big reputation. He's been with many teams, which gives me... See, this is the thing about me. When you get passed around like that, I go, something always goes bad. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, if you were so such the greatest defensive coordinator in the history of Earth, wouldn't teams keep you? Like Miami couldn't wait to get rid of him. I, I don't know why. But but he listen, he's got a track record. This is what he does, which plays right into the Lori Roseman philosophy. They are consumed and obsessed with getting pressure on a quarterback with only four, so you can have people cover in zone coverage and and and, and you're more effective that way, and you prevent explosive plays. Their whole thing is get turnovers, prevent explosive plays, get explosive plays. And so the Fangio defense with two high safeties is programmed to limit the explosive plays. Okay. So he's had success major in a major way in the NFL. But what's different about this defense? What's going to be different about a Fangio defense that we haven't seen before 
with Gan and, and Desai, who was a disciple of, of Fangio. You still have to count on your front four getting home. How's that concept look right now to you? I look, I not with this defense, not right now, not the way uh, it's it's balanced with age. There's a couple of young guys in the middle and age aging guys on the outside. But look, even the best defensive guys, their coordinators, I should say, the game passes them by at some point. His statistical numbers in his defenses over the last four years have plummeted. He was an embarrassment in Denver. It was bad. And look, I, and the other thing is too, you know, you don't know who's who's telling the truth, who's telling what with what he did for them last year during the Super Bowl. Now they're saying he was brought in just to help the offense and show them what defensive looks they'll be seeing. You know, look, I, I wanted somebody younger, somebody with more modern concepts to keep up with these young offensive coordinators who were taking over the league. His defense is, you know, there's not a whole lot of new concepts with him. And that's a concern. Well, he does occasionally run a variation of a 3-4, which may free up the, the outside linebackers like Nolan Smith and Hassan Reddick. I, I will have to see. Uh, but, like, right now, I well, can't tell you if have it's to a good commit. or bad hire. People say, well, what do you, what do you think? I go, I don't know. I Until I see it, like, I, I, I can't tell you whether this is a good hire or not. All right, let's move on to the, uh, move on to the offensive coordinator. At first, Blanche, uh, and I tweeted out, and people started hammering me on Twitter. I tweeted out, I am kind of underwhelmed by the selection of Kellen Moore. And they go, well, who did you want? And I go, well, I wanted this, like some fresh face. Like, yeah, I don't know. He's been around a while. right? He's been another guy that's been, you know, he's been okay. Uh, and his numbers are really good. So, uh, Darren, let me, first of all, on Fangio, before we get to Kellen let me just, this stat I read on Fangio the, last year with the Dolphins. He was one in six against teams that were above 500. He gave up 31.8 points a game to those teams above 500. 458 yards a game against those teams above 500. And 3.52 touchdowns per game. He lost twice to the Bulls, twice to the Chiefs, the Eagles, and the Ravens. And he beat the Cowboys. I, these are just these are numbers. These are facts. Okay, it's kind of what I was talking all about. All right, so like it I really said, leads right into I, what I was talking. I about. don't know if it's good or bad. He's got a great reputation. Until I see it, we'll we'll find out. All right, now let's move on to Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore uses what I like is a lot of motion, a lot of disguises. I like that. I like when teams do that uh, because I think it it throws defenses off stride. And the Eagles did none of that. So Darren, I know you have. Um, uh, a list of numbers for Kellen Moore, which uh, reveal him to be a pretty good offensive coordinator. Lay them on me. Well, if you look at, first of all, last year with the Chargers, the team was kind of a dumpster fire. His numbers weren't great, but he ran, I know you like to run 11 personnel a lot. He ran 11 personnel 70% of the time last year. Now, Eagle fans want him to run the ball, uh, want the uh, Eagles to run the ball, he prefers, like a lot of the running plays in his offensive schemes, run through the quarterback. So that's going to be good for the Eagles if Hurts can stay healthy. I don't know how much he'll commit to running the ball, you know, traditionally with running backs, under center. As far as his time in Dallas, 
His, his time at Dallas is a lot better than people realize. In 2019, he was the first overall offense in the league. The Dallas Cowboys were second in passing and sixth overall in points per game. That's good. That's solid. Very good. Now, 2020, if you remember, this is the year that halfway through the season, Dak Prescott was on his way to shattering the passing yardage record. They ended up eighth overall, 14th in passing because Dak's ankle was essentially separated. They had to use Cooper Rush. Right. And still had decent numbers, by the way. 2021, back to first overall offense in the NFL. Second overall in passing. First in points per game. Well, last year, they dipped back a bit back, actually again to eighth overall and 14th in passing. Dak started the year on IR, I believe, where he missed like four or sorry, five or six of the first uh, half game, halfway through the season. So I don't I think he doesn't get enough credit. Everybody thinks that the Dallas offense got so much better after he left. I don't know about that, but um, I, look, he's a he's different. He runs a lot of pre snap motion. The Chargers were eighth in the league last year in running um, in pre-snap. He uses a lot of jet sweeps, which the 49ers do a lot to open up some passing routes. Look, and the alternative seems like it was going to be Cliff Kingsbury, who I think is a total con man and would have been an awful hire. So, uh, you know, I'm okay with the more hire for now. We'll see. Thank you. Okay. We'll see. 2021, first overall, second in passing. Uh, First in place year. Eighth overall, 14th in passing. Uh, okay, so uh, I, like I said, I, I don't know until I see it implemented. I don't. I can't sit here and tell you that it's a good or bad hire. I can only go by eh, nah, they hired Kellamore. Eh. You know, that was my reaction. You know, I, I it didn't send me over the top. Now I don't know what would have sent me over the top, but there you go. That that was my assessment. I'm getting killed for it by being overly negative and, and you know people listen they're in a bad spot right now i i the eagle fans i love you i god love you but you, you can't possibly <laughs> be that optimistic with the state they're in right now so no. to me it's a wait and see type of situation and instead of saying well make you're always negative i'm I, you think i wake up like today i'm gonna be negative about the eagles you know what made me <laughs> negative about the eagles they lost six of their last seven games and got creeped by the tampa bay buccaneers that's why i'm negative all right? Okay. Um, let's move on to the 76ers. Now, um, their, their next game is at Portland, and uh, we, we find out that Tobias Harris, Maxie, and MB won't play again tonight. But the more important uh, circumstance was Saturday night when everybody was, was raring to see the Sixers uh, at the Denver Nuggets and a matchup of Embiid and Jokic again. Now, we had just had one in Philly, and Embiid acquitted himself pretty well. Um, but all of a sudden, word comes down that Embiid will miss the game because the training staff didn't like the way he looked at shoot-around. And I'm going, okay, I, I'm okay with that if it weren't for the fact that this is now the fourth straight game he has ducked in Denver. Now, I I go, why? Why would he duck Jokic in Denver? Well, there's the high altitude, which makes, you know, it, it's tougher on, on players. And I'm thinking that he's processing all this. Listen, one is a coincidence. Two, th- four times now you go out of your way to miss a matchup with Jokic? 
to me, that is telling me something that you don't want. There is a chance that you might look bad for whatever reason, whether it's the altitude, whether it's the fact that the Nuggets play well there, and it's going to it's going to take a little shine off of you as far as the MVP goes. Now, that's already in jeopardy because he needs to play enough games. But I got to be honest with you. I'm pissed off that he missed that game. And and uh, and he like you're supposed to like if I'm Embiid, I go. That dude doesn't scare me. I'm going to show him again. I'm going to show him in his home court. I think that he bailed out of the game. Now, I don't know this for a fact, but I don't think a medical training staff can look at a guy and go, he doesn't look right. Because eventually you're going to go up to him and say, how you feeling? And he, if he was really invested in the game, would say, I feel great. I'm ready to go. This is weak. It's weak sauce. And I'm not like I'm not a fan from Denver who brought their missing uh, missing Joel Embiid posters because he's done this three other times before. Let me play devil's advocate. Listen, he's not sitting on the bench with the Sixers at the start of the game. They say he's getting treatment. He's getting treatment. What do you mean? Like the six hours before the game, he wasn't getting treatment. He chose that time to get treatment. He didn't come out for a reason because he knew he was going to get harassed. So finally in the fourth quarter, he comes out to sit on the Sixers bench. He's got a, a, a Louis Vuitton sweater on, looking best. really good. Yeah. And he sits there. And then they start, they see him, they start booing him. And he's, tr- of course, trolling the crowd. And I'm going, this makes me feel terrible as a Sixer fan. And if you're like a real fan, you want to see him go against Jokic in Denver. What is the reason why you would miss four straight games in Denver? You are definitely ducking him for a certain reason. And I hate that about a player. Your thoughts, Darren? Uh, I, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not saying you're wrong, uh, but I'm just going to play devil's advocate here because, and we all know that you're a much bigger hoop head than me. Uh, it's what we know with what we know about the NBA and the way with these load management. Does it matter? It's a regular season. Does it really matter anymore? Does the NBA regular season, anything that happens in it, really matter these days? I honestly... That's not the point. It doesn't matter to a large extent. It should matter to the player. It should matter to the player to accept the challenge of going head-to-head with the guy who he's in competition for the MVP. It's like, well... Uh, you know, it, 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 like I watched Embiid in the playoffs, totally disengage himself. I don't like that about Embiid, and that brings me to when I see something like that. That brings me to that point. Yeah, I wish he was willing to engage a hundred percent of the time. I saw he wasn't willing to engage in the last couple games against the Boston Celtics. That's what that night reminded me of. If you want to change and you want to be more aggressive and you want to be the most dominant player in the year of the year, then accept that challenge. And guess what? They'll give you off against Portland. That game means squat. Yeah. The game against Denver means something to your reputation nationally because people are already saying, well, you haven't come up big in certain situations. There's a situation where you could come up big. I I, th- I just I don't know if he cares. Like I feel like NBA players. Well, okay. Are so well, then if he doesn't care, then that stirs up my fears I, that I he's not going to care when it really matters in the playoffs. Yeah, it's, it's it's viable concern. It really is. All right. Sixers put a yeoman's effort. On. I'm watching this starting really lineup. Did. 
They're still. But see, that, that Denver goes. Jokic was totally disengaged. Jokic didn't feel like playing in that game against those scrubs. So it, what usually happened is the Mike Masnelli backup goaltender theory, which is the backup goaltender is inferior, so you got to really play harder around him. So you're missing your stars, and you play harder. You're an NBA player. You want to prove something. So guys like Patrick Beverly shine, Marcus Morris shines, Kelly Oubre shines. Who else do they have on the floor? The starting lineup was ridiculous. Pat Bev gave oh, his life. Paul Reed. Paul Reed <laughs> had a monster game. Paul Reed had 30 points. Paul, I, do yourself a favor. Call NBC Sports Philadelphia and ask for a tape of that game and put it in your archives because it'll, you'll never, ever replicate that kind of a game. It's time now, ladies and gentlemen, as if I haven't been unleashed enough for Mike Unleashed. Some interesting topics in Mike Unleashed. Here's the first one. I'm watching the post-game ceremony last night. Normally, it's Terry Bradshaw who's conducting the post-game ceremony. Terry Bradshaw apparently was sick. So in his place comes Michael Strahan, who looked like a bumbling idiot up there. He had the wrong score as he's interviewing Jed York, the owner of the San Francisco 49. He's got Joe Montana over there. He says, Joe, take it away. And then he skips Joe Montana and goes over to this York guy. Joe Montana is standing there like some like a mushroom. He didn't let him say a word. It was great. <laughs> and he's babbling all. Goes, I go, don't you do a, a national TV show every day? And I sort of think, well, maybe it's he's a product of the prompter. Like, First of all, I think he's useless on the Fox pregame and postgame shows. But in a situation like that, you'd think he'd have enough charm and personality to pull that off. It was it was a disaster. It was awkward. I know exactly what you're talking about. Joe was just standing there like, uh, what do you want me to do? Just hold this thing for him? <laughs> <laughs> Joe Montana. I'll just sit here and hold this thing for him. You got it, Mike. <laughs> But he's going, he says, hey, Joe, take it away. Uh, then Joe, Joe, please pass it over to Jenny. <laughs> Take it away, Joe. I'll talk for the next four minutes. <laughs> Take it away, Joe. All right, Michael. Come on, man. All right. Uh, let me uh, let me give you a, a story. This is from the po- the archives of the New York Post, and uh, they they have these viral dating stories. All right. So, uh, and, and and people they they get a lot of stuff from TikTok. So uh, this woman says that she canceled her date. Let me get let me get the story up. Here it is. I canceled the date uh, um, as he was on the way to pick me up because I got a text that was a red flag. I just want to I just want to put this for your perusal here. Um, she's on TikTok. She posts a video that she says, uh, I'm in shock and I need to tell people just what happened. Got million views on this, by the way, on TikTok. She says, I'm dressed to get dinner tonight, and this man is on his way, and he's booked dinner, and he's coming to pick me up. When he was 30 minutes from her house, she said she gets a text from the guy, which says, all right, you shallow bitch, don't judge my car. I've had it since I was 18, and no one has a car. So, so, What? Out of the blue? Unprompted? I don't think he meant to call. This is where I look at it and go, this guy's trying to be quippy. He's going to show up with a bad car. So he's trying to prime the pump by being sarcastic. And call, but, but he used the B-I-T-C-H word, not literally to call her B-I-T-C-H, but to be kind of like offbeat 
and thinking that she would yeah, she would I get, get it. it. Right. right? Okay. You see that? So <laughs> so she calls her brother and her brother says, uh, cancel the date. So she she texts the guy back and said, Don't bother picking me up. Canceled. Um uh, she says he's a 30 year old plus man who has a normal career. We barely have a friendly relationship. It's only our second time getting to dinner together. And she couldn't believe that he used that phrase. Uh look. Your judgment there. I mean, the guy's the guy's a douchebag for doing that. <laughs> if if I'm being honest. Like yeah, he, he was your second date. You're trying probably, to be a, the guy's probably a little awkward thinking he could take liberties to talk like really informally to the girl. You know how sometimes people call each other. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're a little bit. Uh, yeah. When you know somebody for 20 years. <laughs> right. Not one second. Right. date. So the verdict was... is what was the girl on the right canceling the date? I would have said I would have not canceled the date. I, I think the protocol would have been when he arrived. What did you mean by that? And give him a chance to explain it. And if his explanation wasn't good enough, then you go, you know, I, I really feel uncomfortable going out with you. Well, I want to cancel the day when the guy's on his way over. I'm fine with that, but he's still a douchebag for saying that. All right. Here's the th- third and final thing for Mike Unleashed today. You know how sometimes you get uh, letters asking you to donate to charity? And, and in, the, in the letter, donate to, let's just say it's the ASPCA. And uh, they're looking for donations. They send out random letters to residents' addresses and whatever. And in the letter, they give you return address stickers with your name and address on it. The question is, is it a violation to not donate but still use the stickers? Yes. I know a guy. It is a violation. Yeah, it is a violation. We were high school. His windshield was littered with FOP stickers that they would send. And he never donated a dollar. Like, well, I, that's to get out of tickets. But I'm sorry, oh. like in general, if they give you, like sometimes they'll send it out at Christmas time, Christmas right. you know, uh, return address stamps that you put on the thing. Yeah. So, Oh, those? Yeah, I use those. So <laughs> you do use them. The, the return address labels? I've used yes, this. That's yes. what I said. A turn of just, you know, sometimes your comprehension is really no, bad. I, well, it's really, so, really, I said, I, I, I opened the damn story by saying it was return address stickers. Well, that's specifically. I've and used. you're going to the FOP sticker. <laughs> well, it's a similar situation. What is it with your comprehension? It's, <laughs> Were you bad on those reading comprehension tests? Uh, probably. No, I was good. I was good reading and writing. You were good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Ten seconds ago, I made it clear it was a sticker for an envelope. I got a cold. Give me a break. I, uh, <laughs> it's a similar situation where you're mailed something ahead of time in the in the with the anticipation that you're going to receive a donation. All right, here, I I'm calling this a violation on myself. Oh, because I've used. Oh, <laughs> I didn't donate to the ASPCA this year. However. I donated to the mainline animal shelter. That's a good, good man. You're a good man. So, child, uh, and I, in the past, I have donated to the ASPCA. So I thought that I had some immunity to use the stickers. Did you really normally? Think that? If you don't, if you don't donate, I think it's a violation to use the stickers. Did you really go through that thought process? And went, I oh, you know, similar. I absolutely did. Okay, I believe you. In fact. Yeah. The day that I got the ASPACA stickers, 
I also got a letter from the Mainline Animal Shelter thanking me for my donation. That's that's nice. So, that is nice. Does By that the way, take me off the hook. Uh a little bit. A little bit. Right. By the way, uh, uh, pet and animal charities, I think, outside of cancer, are the most uh, charitable, found, like worthy of donations. Totally agree opinion. with you. The time and effort these people put yes. in and the sad amazing. stories they have to deal with every day, it really tugs at my heart. Me too. It's amazing. Uh, all right. Uh, that'll do it for Mike Unleashed today. Uh, you can uh, get a hold of me, Mike at MikeMiss.com. I, I got a nasty letter from a guy. Ooh, oh, my tell. God. Do Would tell. Want... <laughs> I need to hear this. Do you want to hear the nasty letter? Yes, absolutely. I uh, love it. Okay. I love when people here's, rip here's, This is the kind of uh, stuff that I get here. Hold on one second. Let me, let me get it up here. Uh, this, I love Sometimes I, I get this kind of stuff, and uh, I respond accordingly, by the way. So um, let's get now. This, they always come with fake names. And they always try to butter you up first. So um, they, they, they compliment you, and then they get to their point where they want to rip you. <laughs> so, all right, I'm trying, I'm trying to get it up now. Hold on a second. Uh, okay, here it is. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, hi, Mike. All right, listen. To that. listen. <laughs> I, I have been one of your loyal fans since Steve on WIP. Starts off pretty good, right? But you're the biggest piece of shit I've ever met. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I attended your golf outing. And was a fan up until your last day on 97.5. I even felt the need to email you, wishing you nothing but the best in what you continue to do. But your democratic or independent views are so far left, it's intolerable. You blocked me on Twitter because I didn't agree with you. Nor no, I don't block people for not, for not, if they don't agree with me. I block when they're abusive. You are a petulant childish man. You're nothing but a bully. And have always been that way. Just because someone doesn't see your democratic ways, they are crap to you. Why don't you grow to F up and let people have their own views and opinions? How is Biden doing so far? The country is almost in a civil war, but I'm sure you dopes are still supporting him. Take F and care, idiot. Oh, he's absolutely right. Signed, Dennis. Signed, Dennis. Now, I know it's a fake name. So, but this is sort of I get. They they butter you up, and then I always know where it's going to go because I know it's always a Trump supporter. Uh, all right, so there you go. If you want to email me with something like that, I'll answer you. Uh, it's Mike at MikeMiss.com. You can check me out on Twitter at MikeMiss975. Uh, on uh, Cameo, if you want a personal shout out, just go to Cameo.com, look me up, Mike Missinelli, and I will give you a personal Cameo shout out. Anything we missed, Aaron? Uh, no, we covered everything today so far. Covered everything today? We covered everything today. <laughs> all righty. Have a great rest of the day. It's kind of chilly out there, uh, and it's going to be chilly all week. I, I can't wait till we get, we get like, a warm uh, uh, I think there's. I think they're talking here. 50s next week. Are little they? A little thaw, yeah. Oh, like little early 50s little next week, and it'll be the first test of my new knee playing golf. Ooh, there you go. That happens. All right, everybody. Uh, have a great rest of the day. Have a great rest of the week. We'll catch you later in the week here on the Mike Messinelli Podcast brought to you by Bet Rivers. Bye-bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Mike Messinelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.